Welcome to episode 27 of the Seeking the Military Suicide Solution podcast brought to you by the Military Times. I'm Dwayne France. And I'm Doc Shauna Springer. And we'd like to thank you for taking the time to learn more about suicide in the military-affiliated population. To check out all the shows, you can find them at veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash STMSS. Thanks again to everybody for joining us to listen to an honest conversation about service member, veteran, and military family suicide. As we continue to look at people doing good and effective work, we're excited to highlight an organization that's taking action to impact a particular portion of the military-affiliated community. Shauna, what can you tell us about today's guest? So Matt Bergendahl is a veteran of the U.S. Air Force and manager of the Overwatch program for an organization called StackUp. StackUp provides a community of support to the gaming community. A former readjustment counselor working within a VA vet center, Matt helped develop the training for stack-up volunteers who operate as frontline emotional responders for those who are grappling with hopelessness. Like many who serve in the military, Matt has been impacted by the loss of fellow brothers and sisters in arms to suicide. He's lost a total of seven people to suicide, including multiple airmen and his grandfather, who struggled with depression after the death of his wife. So this makes the tragedy of suicide loss a personal mission for him. Yes, and as I often say, many of us who served and many of us who support those who served have lost more to suicide than we have to combat, and even that was a significant number. And definitely we all approach this in a very personal space. So we'll get into the conversation with Matt and come back afterwards to pull out some of the key points. A lot of what we're hearing about suicide prevention is related to connecting people and communities. And communities means a bunch of different things. A lot of people think communities as like a geographic location, a town or something like that. But what interests me about Stack Up is that this is a community of gamers, right? So these are individuals that have a common experience, a common interest, where you're addressing suicide in that community. I'd be interested to hear how you came to that. Well, obviously this idea came before my time, but there was a shared experience that most veterans have, for example, when they deploy. When I was in Iraq, this was during the start of the war, so I'm kind of dating myself a little bit, but I had my PlayStation 2 with me. And when I had my downtime, when I wasn't either on patrol or an LPOP, I was going to be in my tent and I was going to play a video game just to kind of wind down. The founder of Stack Up, Stephen Machuga, he was an army veteran, an army ranger, and he had very similar experiences. And so in his mindset was, well, how can we support the veterans and the active duty population with gaming? Because it's a common denominator with both sides. And how can we foster that into uh, building a community out of it? And so it grew rather organically. And we don't want to say it's all video games. That's not true. It's tabletop games. Dungeons and Dragons is a really popular that's actually gained a lot of traction within our community as well, a game to try out. But they all have that one component, it's connectedness, or the capability to do that. And as StackUp started to grow, we started to see other areas that we can fill to help build, not only build out the community, but more importantly, serve the veterans and their needs. Because I often saw it a lot as a clinician for the VA vet centers, 
there was a lot of isolation going on and that's that's quite common i would always assess well who is in your social support right now if you have a situation going on can you reach out to somebody easily either a friend or a battle buddy or a family member who you can talk to unfortunately most of the time it was no and so we all understand that and so this is a way to help with that situation yes uh, i as a platoon sergeant uh, i happen to be in college and so i would get off patrol and go do like a, a six-page paper well my joes went and created a land party right they they mm. went and oh. and i'm like you guys just came off patrol and you're gonna play call of duty all right but you're right this is something that's a common experience this really does establish connectivity like if you're gaming with somebody and you're doing it day in day out week in week out you tend to know what they're like and can tell that there's something wrong and so is that something that really started to, again, organically grow that veterans started helping other veterans because they could just tell that, hey, dude, something's not right? That's, that's precisely it. We would have these game nights and we will see repeats coming in, veterans who really enjoyed the time spent interacting with other veterans. And we have civilians too, it's not just veterans. And as they started playing more and more of these online games with each other, there became that, that natural mind space checks, I guess is one way to put it. As you said in your words, you would hear when a friend is not sounding quite the same, that there might be some sort of an issue going on. They just don't feel comfortable yet talking about it. And I witnessed it firsthand. I, I mean, I'm a gamer myself. I'm not you know, as, as involved as I used to be because of work obligations, but I would see it firsthand where they would sit down and talk and they would just start talking about what's going on with their day. That friend would say, hey, man, it sounds like you're struggling right now. What's going on? And it might take a little bit of time to warm up to disclosing what's happening, but it does happen. And that is something that you can't quite reproduce in a mental health setting, in a clinical setting, or even so much as a peer-to-peer -peer support setting, because it's a friendship there. And it's the ultimate buddy check, you know. It's like you've, you've been playing this game with this person for so long, you know right off the bat when something's bothering them. And you don't have to worry about confidentiality. You don't have to worry about self-disclosure or, you know, transference. You're there as a friend and you're going to go out there and say, hey, I'm going to call you out because it sounds like you're not telling me everything that's going on. So let's talk about this. And that is really how the Overwatch program sort of developed in that you're already, right. you're already saving lives, let's say, or you're already conducting these interventions, sort of like I wasn't trying to fish, but I got to fish anyway. So I guess I better start learning how to fish. And that's what I understand is how the Overwatch program started was to how do we formalize this and make it more effective? Absolutely. And so we'll have like in our general discord chat, people saying, Hey, I'm having a hard time because there are so many that I can talk to. And this started recurring so much we recognized that we needed to have some sort of formal entity within StackUp. And with that, we needed to have highly trained individuals who can help with that. Because we'll get folks who came in who are relatively new. And so we didn't have that common ground as far as spending hours together playing a video game, but they still needed that help. And so that's when we came up with the StackUp Overwatch program, but also, more critically develop a really formalized training plan that I developed based off of my experiences in my master's program, my experiences working for the VA. I wanted to make sure that even with an all volunteer force, we are being mindful of cultural competencies, 
ethical considerations, and of course HIPAA to the furthest extent possible, given that we're working in Discord. And so once we started doing that, it just started to really snowball in, in terms of gaining traction, folks coming in from even different parts of the, of the world to get help. You know, this is what I'm seeing as an example of what a lot of people are talking about, suicide prevention, thinking it's either on the community. Again, some people mm -hmm. think geographically or whatever, but it's on the people on the ground or yeah. it's the responsibility of the mental health folks where really it's a combination of the two. And what it sounds right. like here is you created that combination, a, a synergy. It is community-based, mental health informed, because like anybody can put a hand on a shoulder and say, hey, what's going on? But there does need to be some clinical training or, or at least some awareness around mental health and what to do so that you're not harming the individual or the person that's trying to help. Exactly. When I was first brought into it, I was the clinical advisor. I was still working for the VA at the time. And I said, you know, if you're going to put me in charge of this part, it's going to be rigorous. This is not just something that we're going <laughs> to get a new staff member and just throw them out there and just wish for the best. I'm like, no, that's too much liability. It's too unethical. We need to have a really good formal training. And so that was the building block. And we do, like, that's why we do something called the oral reviews, where I provide a scenario to the staff member that can be applied in the real world. And they have, there's rubrics that's going to grade them on a scaled measure. And we want to make sure that these folks who are going in there are going, I mean, we all have this love for what we're doing, that intrinsic reward, that value of what we're doing. And that's great. And this is a great motivator. But we also need to make sure that we have that training and that knowledge on top of it to make sure we're doing the right work. Now, I'm curious, and I've seen this in, in some of this spaces, this is heavy work, even if you are a veteran, right? It, yeah. it means you can get some really weighty stuff. Have you had people that had started to go through the training and that said, wow, this is, this is a little bit more <laughs> than I expected and, and sort of backed out of it? We have. Not that many, though, because the very first process of joining as a staff member is you and I will sit down and talk. I'd like to get your narrative as far as what what compelled you to even reach out in the first place to join the program? And then we discuss the training requirements. And, I, and at the end of it, I said, it's going to be about 30 to 32 hours of investment on your time just to be fully trained. And that's not for everybody. People are in different areas of their lives when they can't commit that much hours. And that's not even include actually doing the work. And we've had folks during the interview saying, you know what? I really like what you got here, but I just can't commit that much time right now. If things change, then I'll come back to it. Perfect. And we have a similar situation too. Once they've actually gone through and started their training, they're like, Matt, I just, right now, I just can't do it. I said, that's fine. When things settle down for you, come back. You can always come back. You're always welcomed here. And your real life duties and responsibilities should naturally trump doing something like this because you have to take care of yourself. And honestly, with COVID-19, it certainly has impacted my staff because we have about half of our staff are made up of first responders and the medical profession field. And there's nothing wrong with that. Somebody saying, hey, this right. isn't for me, right? As a clinician, you're a, you're a clinician, I'm a clinician. In my internship, one of my supervisors came and said, hey, I have a 16-year-old kid that I want you to see. And I'm like, oh, no, heck no, right? You give me a three-tour <laughs> combat vet all day long, but I got two teenagers right. at home I don't need, right? So we all have our own our own niche, so to speak, but, yep. but that speaks to the benefit of how you're doing it because it's better to find out then to agree mm -hmm. at the beginning 
than for someone to dive in neck deep only to find out yeah. that the hole was a lot deeper than they thought. Absolutely. And, and, and throughout all that, there's, there's monitoring going on. I check in with the staff who are in the training process and say, hey, how are you doing? Do you have any questions? Feel free to reach out to the rest of the staff. Hit me up anytime. Because, because of the nature of the work and the lived experiences of my staff, there's been instances where they're like, this kind of hit me hard because it reminded me of my own experiences. Some of it was traumatic. And I get that. And that's why we make the time to sit down, process what we can. Obviously, I'm not being their counselor. I'm being their supervisor in this relationship. But ask them to really sit down and think about what it is. Because it's important to make sure that they're, that they're doing all right. But also to make sure that they're going to be able to do the work, what's expected of them. So we've talked a little bit about this and kind of referred to it. But... What I understand the Stack Up Overwatch program is, is very similar to what Mark Graham's doing for Vets for Warriors. It is a highly trained group of peers that are addressing the needs of a particular community. You're not Mm -hmm. a crisis line, so to speak, but you are a support element addressing the needs of a particular population. Would that be accurate? Pretty accurate. I mean, we definitely see folks coming in who are in full-blown crisis mode, and we do interventions in, in up to that scale. But most of our folks who are coming in, what come in what we consider as pre-crisis mode, they are able to sit down and, and have a conversation with the staff, come up with some sort of a goal or a solution to the presenting problem. But we certainly have had folks coming in who will who are full-blown panic. And my team is trained to, to provide an intervention and de-escalate as well. So if you can sort of give me an overview of the Overwatch program, how you describe it, how a veteran would access it, things like that. Pretty simple in terms of a- accessing it. If, if you were to go to, say, for example, stackup.org, our webpage, there's links there as far as to drop you right into our Discord server. That's probably the quickest access to it. If you were to do a Google search of veteran peer-to-peer on Discord, we're like number two on there. So even if you don't know who we are, if you were to just hit a couple of you know, key phrases in, in doing a Google search, we'll pop up. And, and so those are two of the easiest ways to access us. We also have our information published on a few mental health pages. We got a lot of word of mouth too. I mean, we're very much a grassroots organization right now. We don't have a huge word of mouth out there. And we've been very fortunate to have big names associated with us like the CDC. And now Johns Hopkins, they're coming in to work with us to do this kind of research. So there's many ways for a veteran to access us. And sometimes it's something as simple as a veteran uh, telling another vet buddy, hey, go talk to Stack Up, go look at Stop and jump in there and see if they can help you out. So in in Discord, this is what also I am really encouraged by what you're doing because Discord is a gaming community platform, right? I mean, this is what Discord really does. And so if a veteran happens to be a gamer, they're probably familiar with Discord. So you're using an existing platform of familiarity. And we talk about needing to be where the veteran is or showing up where they're at. And that's exactly what Stop is doing. Exactly. We are, it kind of reminds me of my old professor. We don't, we don't meet the client to the theory, but the theory to the client. And so in that, and, and taking in that in relationship to what we're doing here, this is a very common platform. 
It's easily accessible through a laptop, through a phone, and of course through a PC. And it simply made sense for us to have our presence here. And so that anyone who needs to access us in the gaming community, they'll be like, oh, well, I know Discord in and out. I know that I can either DM the stop staff or I can do a video chat or I can do a voice chat or just keep it to doing this the text chat. And I know what my options are. Obviously, like a brand new client walking into an agency setting, they're going to be a little worried because they don't know what to expect. Well, you know what to expect with Discord, at least, because it's all the same no matter where you go within the different servers. So it works out pretty well. Absolutely. And, and again, the, the idea behind this is the shared experience, not just the shared military experience, but the shared interest, right? You are addressing mm-hmm. this issue, suicide in the military population, for gamers, right? You're not doing it for ultra marathoners or for (laughs) rock climbers, not to say that there's not that crossover, but to say that um, you're addressing the need where you're familiar. You're not trying to be all things to all people. Yeah. There's no way we can do that. And, and it's easy when you, your scope of practice is narrow in that way, because our staff are trained to say, Hey, are you a gamer? And usually 99% of the time they're going to say yes. Like, okay, so what kind of games are you playing? And they'll say, well, I'm playing this multiplayer game, but I, I pretty much just play by myself. It says, hey, why don't you go to the other, the, the Redshirt Raiders, which is Stack Ups. It's part of Stack Up. We have gaming community nights. Come hang out with them. Hang out, talk, play games with them, get connected. That language is very much interwoven in our interactions with these veterans and with the active duty, uh, duty community because we, we use that as a turning point if they're isolated right now, but they're playing a video game, well, would, you, would they be comfortable taking that step further and saying, I'm going to put myself out there with this gaming community and, and see if I can start making these connections? And it happens. It happens all the time. And, and it's, it's really wonderful to see. Strangers, and within a matter of a few hours, they're, they're talking shop, talking about personal experiences. We see it all the time. And that's, again, this idea of connectedness being important. You're not just trying to keep them from uh, harming themselves in that immediate. Like you said, this is that pre-crisis stage. But you're also not saying, hey, there's this group over there. Go over there and meet them. Again, we're having this conversation about passive resource offering. Hey, reach out if you need something. No, you're saying, hey, Betty, meet John. You're connecting people actively rather than passively. Right, and we are very much into warm handoffs. And so uh, we've had instances where we're like, okay, so here's Liz. Liz is our community event manager. She just announced how we're gonna be playing Overwatch as a community. Why don't you come meet us here at you know three o'clock Pacific Standard Time, and we're all gonna hang out and play a game together. And you're gonna be with the rest of the community. And we try to have those moments, and we have people who are staff members, they'll play a game one-on-one within the community. And, and I think that's the biggest change. You know, we do our follow-ups. We have every single one of our staff is going to do a follow-up with that member to make sure that one, they're doing okay. Two, to see if they have made any kind of advance in their situation. And, and that's kind of the textbook standard of, of what we do. But this is an opportunity for us to go a little bit beyond and saying, hey, you are now connected into a much larger entity where you have the capability to Go as far as you want, as far as you feel comfortable. But the most important component of all of that is your community. Here is your new community if you choose it. 
then the other thing that I'm seeing that you're doing is you're taking, again, you referred to uh, the CDC and now the work you're doing with the CDC Foundation and Johns Hopkins. And I saw that mm -hmm. you're using psych armor as a bedrock of what a lot of your training is. So you have this narrow niche focus, but you're using the same backend support that any other organization can have. Right? Say somebody's doing Central Mountain Kayakers can use the same format that you're using. It's just tailoring it to a different sub-community or something like that. And, and, and I think that this is one of the strengths of what you're doing is that connection to the strategic level partners. Right. You're nailing it because everybody, I mean, we can't, you're like kind of going back to saying we can't be the advocates for the rock climbers and the mountain bikers and all that other stuff. We have to find our niche and the niche is gaming. And honestly, with the COVID-19, we're getting more gamers coming into an orbit. In fact, it's really interesting. I'll give you a quick story. Um, the director of the CDC that we're working with, it wasn't a gamer until COVID-19, but then they disclosed that and we started talking about gaming and how it's become a mental health benefit, you know? And, and so that really helped them understand why what we do works. And, you, and it, it just, it's wonderful because there's some backlash about it. A lot of people think that gaming is a waste of time, no matter what, what platform that you use, but that's not really true. And, and the science has finally started to catch up to what we knew for a long time. <laughs> You know, Matt, I am really, really encouraged by what I found out and definitely what I hear from you. If folks want to hear more about what you're doing, maybe you personally or, or what Stack Up or Stop is doing, how can they find that? The easiest way is, again, go to stackup.org. There's going to be links to all the, all the staff. So you'll see my big mug out there. You can jump into our Discord server and tag me. Says, hey, Matt, I want to talk to you. And I've, I've had plenty of folks do that. They, they, they found out about the program. They're excited about it. They wanted to learn more. So either way, whatever's easiest works for me. I'm very flexible when it comes to that. And I encourage that. Any, any mode that you can, just reach out and we'll, we'll make something happen. Matt, StackUp.org and the StackUp Overwatch program are examples of folks who saw a need and found a solution. I'm glad we were able to have him on the show. Definitely, definitely. When presenting each of our guests, I've consistently attempted whenever possible to find out how the tragedy of suicide has impacted each individual. And as I learned about this for Matt, he shared a perfect example of how stigma gets transmitted by well-meaning individuals and how this can become a real barrier to seeking support. Here's what he said. I first learned about the stigma of mental health when I was in the Air Force. After my deployment, when my fire team and I walked down the ramp in Rapid City to reunite with our loved ones and commander, my fire team leader stopped us and gave us all a warning. Do not tell anyone what you've seen or what you've done. If you do, you might lose your job. And that was exactly what we did. None of us understood what the long-term impact was going to be. I waited two years before seeking out help for what I experienced in war. This issue is part of a larger cultural divide between the experience of war and the transition back to civilian society. Interactions like these have often been reported to me. It's what I write about in my book. I think the point here to be made is that Matt's fire team leader was trying to give his airmen counsel that would protect them from the potential negative consequences. But in the long run, this kind of intimate interaction can translate into years of suffering 
where mental warfare is not addressed. It's very interesting. And as you're talking about that, I'm thinking of probably sometime in the summer, early fall of 2006, and I was getting ready to deploy to Iraq. I had already been in the army for 10 years plus, a little bit at that point, And I was going to deploy to combat as a leader. And my father, who had been a combat veteran in Vietnam, gave me some advice. And looking back on it, it wasn't advice on keep your head down or keep your troops safe or anything like that. His advice was, when you come back, make sure you talk to your wife about what happened. Because I didn't do that. And that was some of the problem between me and your mother. They had divorced shortly after I was born. And that was sort of some counterintuitive advice. That was different. It wasn't keep quiet about it. And then I was even able to have that conversation with my platoon leader at one point during that deployment where we had gone through and seen some pretty difficult things. And I asked him if he had been talking to his wife about some of this stuff. And he was, oh, absolutely not. And I was able to give him the same advice that my father gave me. And so it can be counterintuitive, but that came from somebody who had been through combat and then through the aftermath and then speaking into literally the next generation of warriors. It is counterintuitive to many warriors to say to somebody, talk about the experiences that we we face over in war. But if you think about the long-term effect of taking your spouse or your partner and putting them on the outside of that circle of trust, it is a devastating effect on marriages and partnerships. And I think where people get tripped up is that it's not necessary to tell the details of everything you saw and did. The details are, are not necessary to hold that trust and that intimacy, but to be able to turn to your partner and take off that emotional armor and say, I'm having memories today, and this is what I need with you today, or this is how you can support me. So you're taking people in at that level of letting them know where you're at, even if you don't share the details of everything you saw and did. That's exactly what I was thinking. And this is what I often tell my clients is we need to have somebody in our lives that we can say anything to, right? Somebody that we have that trust, we can tell them anything. Well, at the same time, we don't have to tell them everything. My wife knows some, if not most of the, the events that happened, but she obviously doesn't know the details of the events. Some people think that I have to tell people everything. No. Yeah. Have somebody where you can say anything to safely, knowing that you don't have to tell them everything. Exactly. Your, your partner, your spouse is not your therapist and does not require details of every single blow by blow that you experienced. There may be places for that. It's sometimes helpful to talk about that. And sometimes it's not helpful depending on the situation and the person. The other point is that you and I, Dwayne, talk about a public health model of suicide prevention. And we've talked about this as being an all hands on deck thing for a very long time. And this idea is really illustrated by the Overwatch program. Within the gaming community, volunteers use what they know, a pastime that they all enjoy, as the way of having important, potentially life-saving conversations with those they serve. This is effective in combating stigma Because the relationship is not formed around the distress of one individual. The primary focus is on the shared activity and in creating a community of support. And through that community, when individuals feel sufficiently safe, they are more likely to open up about some of their internal struggles. I like the way that the public health approach takes shape through the Stack Up Overwatch program. 
It's a wonderful, very specific example of how we can apply a public health approach in the places where we work and play. And that's exactly how I saw it, right? So the Centers for Disease Control tell us these protective factors, ensuring that you maintain connectedness, but that's a what to do, but it's really up to us to figure out the how. And the Stack Up Overwatch program is very much a very effective how to do that in a very narrow way. And as Matt and I talk about in the conversation, he's not trying to do it for mountain climbers or hunters or something like that. His program, his format can be adapted to other types of communities, but he's not trying to save everyone for everything. So we appreciate everybody taking the time to check out the show. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash STMSS27. There you can get the links to everything we've talked about in this episode, as well as finding the show on militarytimes.com. As a reminder, you can ask us questions and let us know what you thought about the show by going to our Facebook group, moderated by the outstanding D. James, by going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash group. Just a reminder that the guests and reflections on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. While Dwayne and I are mental health professionals, we are not your mental health professionals. We always recommend that you discuss these things with a licensed clinician. You can find out more about the work that Shauna is doing by checking out her latest book, Beyond the Military, A Leader's Handbook for Warrior Reintegration, and the work that I'm doing with my latest book, Military in the Rearview Mirror. Both are available on Amazon and we'll have links to those in the show notes. And always remember, you can connect with the Veteran Crisis Line by calling 1-800-273-8255 and pressing 1. Chat online with them at veterancrisisline.net or texting 838-255. Thanks again for joining us to talk about seeking the military suicide solution. And make sure to follow Military Times on social media to keep up with the latest shows. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, remember, you're not alone, ever.